Welcome to the Top Order Podcast. This is our 100th episode, so we're doing it in style. We're recording it twice. This one is India versus England review, and we also talk all things about the IPL auction that's just gone on as well. Me, Baldy, Raj and Lippy, we're all running around um, Baldy's little garage, and we've got our bats raised, our helmets on the top of them for our 100th episode, and there's heaps, heaps more coming up. So stay tuned to the Top Order podcast where we've got a cornucopia of cricket coming up. Welcome back to the podcast. You've just heard the one swish. We've had about 17 as Raj has played with his swish machine. We're going to talk England-India in that second test match. I know I'm going to get asked the question, but I'm going to throw it back out to you guys. Um, What did you all think of the pitch? I've made my peace with it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I, don't look, stop there look I, I've, I've been on a, a bit of a, a crusade's the wrong word but i've been on a bit of a mission to to advocate for five day cricket wickets for a long long time now but if you're a home side and you want to prepare a wicket that favors favors your your strengths and and india have decided that this pitch they wanted to have spin and favor their spin bowlers they went with they went with a, a wrist spinner as well um they changed their lineup Fair play to them. I would have liked the test match to go on a little bit longer. Ideally, five days. If you're going to make it a turning pitch, try and get it to go five days. But I'd rather have a result than a boring draw. Um, so I've made my peace with the with the pitch. Um, interestingly, though, uh, I, I did a bit of analysis, and I won't bore you with the stats, but um, of the test series that didn't feature declarations and, and lots of follow-ons, one side dominating the other, this series so far has by has had by far the most runs scored in the first innings of, of the test match than any other series that we've seen since COVID came along. So mm. 41% of the runs scored in the first innings in this test series, by far the highest average, um, and, and it just falls away markedly from there. I don't want to end the pitch conversation here, because I think that if this pitch was a green wicket, and two sides got bowled out for 200, would we be having the same conversation? Raj? <laughs> that, that's a good question. That's a good question. Well, and it's a question that, I mean, George DeBell essentially wrote a similar question comment you know he went into a lot more on, on crick info but you know the fact that it's just the fact that it's green instead of well the fact that it's spinning and, and turning and that there's some balls that are going all over the place what's the difference between that and a green wicket so i guess we, this was going around our messengers while we were while we were talking while we were, this test was going on we were talking about it in my in my opinion i think that had england scored runs in that first innings I don't think we talk about this being a bad pitch at all. It's a turning pitch. You get turning pitches in India. From a if you if you look at a test which is four hundred and fifty overs, India batted two hundred of them, pretty much. So if you if you're looking at it from that point of view, they batted half the overs, India, mm. and then they scored at over three runs and over in both their innings. Eight hundred runs through the first three days. I think the only reason people talk about it is because on a turning wicket it is such an advantage to bat first. You know, that stats, 41% of the runs scored in the first innings. Massive advantage to bat first. Both sides have made runs in the first innings. Average score will 400 plus batting first. On a green seamer, the team that bats second has an opportunity to bat when batting conditions are slightly better, arguably, because the pitch will have dried out and, you know, gotten a little bit, you know, rolled and a little bit flatter and, and all the rest of it, right? Mm. So that's where a green seamer has some advantage for the team that loses the toss, potentially, because they get to, you know, they get to bowl on it. Whereas a team that wins the toss and bats first on a turning wicket clearly has a massive advantage because they get 
the lion's share of the better conditions by batting first and by bowling last. So I think that's why people talk about it. But to your point, people are entitled to, to produce test wickets that suit their style. New Zealand produce wickets that have got a little bit of green, India likewise. So, look, that's where I'm going to disagree with what you've said. And the reason I'm going to disagree with it is not for any reason of sour grapes whatsoever. Um, India played England off the park. Rohit Sharma's 161 in the first innings was the defining innings, innings of the match. Uh, Ravi Chandran Astrin batted really, really well in that second innings for 100. By then, to be honest, the difference between us chasing 270 and 370 it didn't really bloody matter. My question is, and to come back to the point around the difference between a green seamer on day one and a spinning pitch on day one, the answer is there isn't a difference between those two. One benefits a side that obviously has a seam attack. One will benefit a side that potentially potentially has a spin attack. The issue I have is that the ICC on their own website have published a list of um, criteria for the production of a test match cricket pitch. And I'll read from it just very, very briefly. A poor pitch is one that doesn't allow an even contest between bat or ball and not giving the bowlers, whether seam or spin from either team, sufficient opportunity to take wickets. So, Stuart Broad has taken 500 test wickets. He bowled a mere 11 overs in the first innings of the game and a mere nine overs in the second innings. That's saying to me that you are taking someone that is a, a proven world-class cricket performer an opportunity to ply his trade. Before Raj comes in, the second component here is that the pitch dis displays excessive assistance to spin bowlers, especially early in the match, which it did. And it should have been therefore ranked as a poor pitch. So my question is this, and this is not a beef about this game, it is why do they even bother to produce those rules and regulations, which actually have um, some points and demerits attached to them as to whether you produce those pitches on a regular basis in your home country, with probably no penalty, to be perfectly honest, because the ICC can't do anything anyway. So my point here is why even bother publish those and just go, you make a pitch and do what you want with it. Do, do we get the results of those? Like, do they... So have they scored this you, you do? It's yeah, you do. And we covered it because, remember, we had a Boxing Day test a couple of years ago where Melbourne produced a pitch that was rated It was poor. like a rolled snot, yeah. yeah. And, and you, had a, you, had a, you had a big go at the wicket afterwards, Adam, and you were very unhappy with it. So... The, the, do we have a thing for this? Do we know what this pitch has been rated? I not yes, not no, yet. No, no, it's not on the website. So I would like to rebut your points a few of them, all right? And th this goes towards the English side. Do you want to read the ICC thing while you rebut? <laughs> I'd like some facts in here if you're going to make I, a I would, rebuttal. I'll give you some facts. So Stuart Broad, he, you're right, he did not get an opportunity to bowl. Who took that away from him? Joe Root. Joe Root took that away from him. Stuart Broad did not bowl in that second innings until the 44th over. The third ball of his first over, he nicked Virat Kohli off and Ben Stokes dropped him. Mm. So you cannot blame the pitch for that. He bowled with a 44-over bowl. He got one of the best batsmen in the world to nick off when no one else did. All right? And secondly, if we're talking about pitch quality, if New Zealand had not had batted first in the four tests that they played this summer, those games are over in three days. Uh, that, and we're, uh, we're, having, we're having that same conversation that we are now, but for some reason we've left New Zealand out of it, and they prepared horrible pitches when India came here last time. And I think that's, that's probably the point I was making, I guess, around those pitches, because... Yeah, there was some complaints about, you know, when New Zealand, when these teams rocked up this summer and, you know, the pitches looked like the outfield, there was definitely some comments and around the world people were saying that. But New Zealand did a good job when they, New Zealand got sent in, 
So there it kind of takes away that home ground advantage. And that was the look of those pitches more than anything. That They looked as if they were going to seem all over the shop and actually didn't. No. But, I mean, you were really excited to see your mate from Mallard's Ollie Stone bowling. You know, a guy that bowls 145 touching 150 a nice job he only bowled six overs in the second innings mm. that to me is saying you know if a guy who's bowling that kind of gas can't get a bowl because it's just not he's not getting anything from the wicket i don't think it's necessarily um a good cricket wicket if the rule is you produce the pitch that you want to produce and it's handed over to the local curator let's get on with it but whilst they're producing a set of regulations that govern the production of pitches then something has to be said or done about that. Yeah, I think I think what you're saying is valid in terms of the the regulations. You're spot on. What what's the point in having them if you're not going to enforce them? And actually, you know, talking about the penalties, I think India would if it does get ranked as poor, they lose some points for the World Test Championship, and that could have a significant impact. So whether that will happen or not, who knows? Probably unlikely that it, it's going to. The, but, gra- the groundsman's on the uh, committee that decides whether it's poor or not, probably. <laughs> what what grounds are there that it, it was not a good pitch? Are you going to say it excessively turned? Is that it? Well, I'm, mate, I'm just reading the regulations, and anyone who watched the first day of that test match was seeing big chunks of the surface coming out and the ball spinning. And, and look, this is where it's really difficult because one man's excessively is another man's, oh, that's a nice little amount of turn. You know, so we're, we're never, ever going to unpick whether or not we feel it was, you know, excessive or or, or anything like that because it is a, a really, really subjective argument. And I guess it's also one of those other things where you could have said that two Indian teams play out a draw on that pitch in a four-day game at, at, at county level. or What, what is it called? The, the uh, Ranger Trophy. Ranger trophy. Yep. And play out a draw at that. Well, and I think, and your point around, you know, the, the Stuart Broad and, and the impact that he had, New Zealand spinners don't get a ball here. Like, it's sometimes it's just the conditions that you play in. And, and I don't, yeah, I don't have a problem with them producing a pitch that spins a lot. And I, I you know, I, I said last episode, I think India should produce those pitches because they saw what happened when they didn't. England's batsmen are, are, are well equipped Absolutely. to face their bowling. If they, yeah. if they don't produce pitches that spin a lot, then I think that's that's going to happen. Shall we move on to the cricket? We, we talked a little bit about Rohit. What else caught the eye for us in that test match? I want to give a big shout out to Stu Lipshaw, who said that uh, they were going to employ the sweep shot. I think they employed it a bit differently to how you envisioned it. It wasn't the <laughs> consolidation. It was that, that release shot. Virat was listening to the pod, obviously. Well, exactly, but... It, we we do have we have got have a listener in his exact geofenced area yeah, actually yeah, yeah. Well, it's a pretty big geofenced area <laughs> I'm, I'm sure that was my point but hello no, Varet Rohit Sharma and uh, Ravi Chandran Ashwin Ashwin uh, they employed the sweep beautifully as a, as a release shot as that boundary ball you saw when England they this I know we've we've moved on from the pitch but. <laughs> This pitch was all about. Let it ta- go, Raj. <laughs> this pitch was all about taking away the sweep shot from the English cricketers. They could not play a sweep shot mm. in terms of consolidating, taking a one out to the sweeper without excessive amount of risk, and that that's the biggest difference here. India were lap sweeping. Uh, Ajinka Rahani even tried it. He looked horrible the, trying to do it. Uh, I suggest he just plays on the back foot going forward. But uh, I'll let him choose how he wants to play. Hope you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> but no, good call from you, Stu. I think they, they took that sweep shot on and they, they used it as a boundary ball. Rohit Sharma brought it up in his after day one, I believe. He said, if you're going to play on these kind of pitches, you need to be playing those shots aggressively. And you can see that's the difference in the run rates between the, the two innings. You've got England going at twos and you've got uh, Australia, India going at three, three and a half. Well, the, yeah, I mean, and that, I, 
you know, thanks for the the big shout out about my tactical knowledge. But uh, you know, uh, you're available for consulting at the IPL, aren't you, Lippy? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Base price of uh, you know half, maybe half of what Kyle Jamieson got would, would be about right, I think. But you know, I think what India did so well in this second test is that they they played the spinners so much better. You know, they they didn't let the spinners get on top of them, as you've said, and and that and that was the difference, right? Right. You, I mean, you mentioned it in the big rant about the pitch, Binksy. Rohit Sharma's innings was absolutely masterful. You know, Ashwin deserves huge amount of credit for for what he did. But Rohit Sharma's innings just set up that whole game, and it basically, won, you know, it won them the game. It, it, you you see a, t- a team that gets twenty wickets, you think, okay, it's the bowlers that win them the game. But I really think Sharma's innings was just absolutely top class. And the reason that it was so significant is that it allowed India to play with runs. It allowed them to attack and attack and attack. And as a spinner, the best thing that you can have is 350, 400 runs on the ball when you know the pitch is going to turn because you can have guys around the bat and you can go, I'm just going to bowl attacking ball after attacking ball after attacking ball. I don't have to worry about drying up the runs because I can try and take wickets. And you look at Axar in the second innings and, and Ravi Ashwin, R. Ashwin in the first innings, five wickets each. Um, having Yadav helped as well, having that point of difference in terms of the way that they, they structured their attack um, and just allowed England, um, India to assert their dominance on England and England just weren't able to respond. How do you think Nadim's feeling? A bit gutted that he didn't get to play in this test and he had to play in that first one. I felt so. I felt actually quite bad for him because, you know, Axar's come in and done such a great job, but obviously the pitch, you know, completely different. So Axar was supposed to play in that first test, but the the the, the, the day before he actually injured himself, so that's why he didn't play. Uh, but look, it came through on commentary quite a bit where they were talking about the the various bowlers and they were giving uh, you know Leach and and Moin Ali a little bit of a way out in terms of saying. They haven't developed to that level yet where you've got Ravi Ashwin just bowling how he is. And that's completely true. He's bowling extremely well in his home conditions. That was the key for me. Those guys, Aksar Patel, Ravi Chandra and Ashwin, they bowl a lot of overs in Indian conditions and they keep that pressure on. If you watched a lot of that English, English bowling, spin bowling, they would bowl three or four really decent wicket-taking balls, especially Ali. He bowled really, really some real wicket-taking balls. But then the other ones, they were able to just release the pressure. That, that was the big difference for me. Yeah, and look, I, I absolutely agree with that. And I think England have often used their seam options to give that level of control. And arguably, you know, Broad could have come on, um, Stokes could have come on, even Ollie Stone could have come on and provided that um, lack of, you know, lack of sort of release and, and bowl in really good channels. But there isn't that ball with your name on when you've got that that spin option. If you've got a guy that can just groove that off break, one is going to explode. One is going to do something where... Um, I mean, it, that ball that XR bolted oh. to get Joe Root out. <laughs> that, was, that was just like, what are you supposed to do there? Leach's bowling, and we'll talk about your man folks here. I'll lead you into him. That bowling was the third morning where Leach came in and just bowled some absolute rippers and, and great keeping from folks. Yeah, look, I'm going to say a couple of things about folks. Um... For me, it was like wicket-keeping pornography, um, <laughs> watching him up to the stumps. Um, the one thing I would say, though, I, I wasn't quite sure why he was standing up to broad um, on that, um, I think it was third afternoon, uh, where he dropped a, a pretty difficult chance standing up. Mm. But it wasn't at that point that, that the guys were trying to, you know, bat out their crease or really disrupt. So uh, whilst I enjoyed the three or four takes up to the stumps that he got off a guy bowling 80 mile an hour, I wasn't sure why he was really doing that. I don't think that was really adding um, too much to that attack. What I want to talk about, though, as well as he kept, 
was his batting in the first innings, for me, is a ringing endorsement of why him and Butler can actually fit in that side together. He looks like a genuine batter when he's batting. He showed patience, he showed discipline, all those kind of bits of grit and resilience, as well as a little bit of class. There was one drive down the ground that was just really, really silky from him. I mean, I think England have got a little bit of a problem in that middle order at the moment. They've got Dan Lawrence, who's not really uh, firing. They've got Ollie Pope, who scored a magnificent 100 against South Africa, but hasn't really done a lot since. And then they've got some questions now at the top of the order with Rory Burns. So for me, I think that I'd be bringing Crawley in to open the batting with Sibley. I think that still leaves me with a little bit of a problem um, at number three. But what it does mean is when England are uh, not resting and rotating and they're looking at their best 11, they've got an option to get Joe, um, sorry, just Butler into that top six folks at seven with the gloves. And I think he adds a lot to the side as well. So do you, if, you're, if you're picking the side, is he picked ahead of those fellas as, as your number one keeper going forward? Uh, mate, look, and this isn't just because I'm a keeper and, and I want my best gloveman in the side against all odds. I've, I've had this debate with my mates a hell of a lot. It started with the sort of Chris Reid, Garant Jones, and then into the sort of Matt Pryor, James Foster era as well. And I, look, I was pretty bullshit about it. And I actually came round after a few drinks once and said, you know what, it was right to pick Garant Jones for that 2005 Ashes ahead of the better Gloveman. But in this instance, I really do believe that it's a small sample size. He still averages 40 in Test cricket, which is more than Joss Butler at the moment. And I do think the importance of taking that chance. We saw five stumpings in this test match. I want to give a shout out to Rishabh Pant as well. Wasn't he good? Because that second stumping that he took was absolutely sensational. So look, I I think the keeping on showing this was really good. But I think, folks, he's going to convert you a chance in a game. And when that chance is Robert Sharma, when that chance is Virat Kohli, when that chance is Steve Smith, you want to convert that chance. And that's why he'd be in my side. It was was interesting that... Pretty much the first ball that he took, the commentators just started talking about what an amazing keeper was. he was. It was like this huge narrative throughout the test match. Do you think they'd prepped for that? Well, I don't know. It's like, oh, I mean, they must Clearly have. Clearly they have. Clearly they have. And, and obviously there's, you know, everyone. But, but if there's that much excitement about his keeping, like, you know, obviously this is one of the first times I've actually seen him keep in a game because I don't, you know, I don't see a lot of domestic cricket in, in England. But, you know, if if everyone is that excited, then surely he is the world's best keeper, or, or very very close to it. I do think we did talk about there. There was a few uh, missed chances for for folks, and in, in he's keeping on the subcontinent. But I've seen enough from his batting. I've only seen that that first innings where he batted. That I think that he he plays. He has the potential to be the best batsman, wicketkeeper batsman in, in the world. That's running around at the moment. There's not. There's actually not many that are taking the world by storm. B J Watling's going really well, but in terms of averaging 40-plus mm. and being a decent wicketkeeper. Yeah, look, we've got to see him on bouncy pitches in Australia or South Africa. We've not really seen too much of that yet. But, yeah, look, I'd be really excited to see him in and around that side um, leading into the Ashes in a year or so's time. Um, but, yeah, who knows which way England will go because they've got someone that uh, you can't doubt in Josh Butler um, is, is a pretty classy uh, Classy geezer as well, who kept, let's not let's not make any bones about it, kept really well in Sri Lanka and yeah, kept really did, well yeah. in that first test as well. I just want to come to Baldy. You were a big advocate for Kuldeep Yadav playing. How do you think, firstly, he was used and then how effective he was? Well, look, I think he was, in terms of the statistics, in terms of bags of wickets, he was overshadowed by Axar's five for in the second innings and, and Ashwin's five for in the first innings. But he picked up a couple in, in both innings. 
he's probably the third spinner in that trio of, of spinners on that particular wicket. It was a it was a finger spin kind of wicket. It wasn't a it wasn't a kind of bitey um, sort of seeming leg break kind of kind of deck. So I think India used him quite well in the context of that match. He was still able to make his presence felt by by taking a couple of wickets. Um, so I really liked that. The thing I I wanted from India is to have the change in balance of their attack and to have a, a, a wrist spinner in there because he makes batsmen do different things, play them in different ways. Um, so from that perspective, big ticks for mine in both departments. We, we, we're still talking about spinners. Moeen, we've got to talk about the situation. This, I, I guess, you know, un, the wrong words are used, obviously. It is, is it as simple as that, Binksy, or do you think there's something bigger at play here? Look, I'd really like to think that there isn't anything bigger at play. Um, and look, I, I don't really want to run my mouth off on, on this one, but um, it's really, really strange that they 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 chose that language. These guys are so well prepared now from a media perspective. I don't think that Joe Root was clumsy. I, I think that that was the line that he'd been given. So for me, that was the message that they wanted to get out at that stage. Um, look, I could be wrong, um, but um, I just think it was, yeah, if, if it was clumsy, I really hope it was clumsy that they were saying, you know, he'd chosen to go home um, because when you kind of look at it, he's had COVID um, himself in Sri Lanka. He's probably got that inked in as I'm going home now. I'm going to see my relatively young family. Um, yes, he's had a performance in the game and you would, you know, we, we would say, and, you know, the average cricket punter would probably say, I'd give my right arm to play for my country. I want to stay there. But for me, that was, you know, that wasn't handled particularly well. And it wasn't handled in the way that it, it's been handled with other players. So, um, you know, if that was another workplace, he'd be on the phone to an employment lawyer, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> so, uh, you know, England have really, you know, championed this rotation policy, a COVID rotation policy, not just a, a workload one. At what stage does it become, we actually need to win these test matches? I mean, he, he has been the shining light. And you'd assume that the pitches we're going to see going forward are going to be very similar. At what stage do you go, hold on, we have made these plans, but I think we need to change it just for the next two. Does that, does that come into it? Or is this really, is this about COVID, COVID workloads? Look, there isn't a perfect answer to it, is there? Um, you've got a situation now where, you know, the likelihood is, yes, we go into a pink ball test match next, which I'm sure we'll talk about. We don't know what the makeup of that attack will be, but a guy who has taken, I think, 17-odd wickets at 20-odd, Don Best, but got dropped basically because he couldn't pitch one. Um, you know, he did bowl <laughs> an probably all. a fair reason to get dropped. It, but, but if you look at his stats, they yep, were, you true. know, they were okay. And... The one thing I'll actually agree with Michael Vaughan on here is he made a comment which was, um, if a, as a batsman you scored three scores in a row where you got dropped earlier in your innings in every single score or you snicked a few through the slips, would you continue to get picked because you'd had a little bit of luck as a batter? Henry Nichols this summer for New Zealand. A absolutely, you would. Don Bess has taken some wickets with an, a monumental amount of luck, given you know the fact that he hasn't been particularly consistency, uh, consistent with his areas. He's now got to potentially come back into this side. So I, I think that if that was the plan, that Moen was always going to go home and they were gambling on the fact that they might talk him into staying, I think they've done damage, number one, to Moen Ali but they've also potentially done some damage to Dominic Bess as well. So that's the thing that, you know, really riles me. To, to answer your question though, Raj, there isn't a perfect way of doing this, is that if they've pre-planned some leave, 
um, then fine. We're not going to make the World Cup, uh, the World Test Championship final. Um, I know we can mathematically, but we're not going to unless we get a lot, a lot of pitches um, like this with some points docked uh, for <laughs> India. So look, I, I, I think that they've made the right call in that respect. Um, but the way they've handled this situation for me was uh, was less than great. Well, and I think we're going to come onto it in terms of uh, the IPL when we talk about the IPL auction. I, I think England has clearly um, put other things above, not not necessarily above Test cricket, but they've. I guess they've put player welfare above performance in in certain circumstances, and they're doing that with the IPL in the way that they're suggesting that players are going to miss some test matches to play the IPL finals if they make it. Well, let me throw this to you because this came out in the press about England potentially um, looking at the, you know some of their players missing that first test against New Zealand, I think in June at yep. Lords. Um, New Zealand have now come out and said that they're going to be pragmatic about it as well with potentially Kane's involvement and a whole host of others. Jameson now in the mix as well. What do we think about that? I know we're purists around this table by and large. Um, but I'll, I'll actually throw my hat in the ring for, to start with. I think that guys playing in an IPL final is actually bigger than a test match at Lords that has almost nothing on it. Well, I think that the I, I think you'd want them to be there for the World Test Championship. Those two lead ups, I, I guess it, it, to me it probably depends a little bit on the player as well. Someone like Kane, I, I don't think like what does it matter to him where he's playing? He could be playing at you know at the Bay Oval against. You know, an under eleven side, he'd still be working as hard as he can, hitting, hitting balls and doing his job, and and I don't feel like that really matters. He slots back into that side, and and I think probably in in you would hope in both these sides, England and New Zealand, they're kind of trying to build these cultures where you can just step back in. On a on a purist side, I don't like it that they're missing a, an international fixture for potentially a, an IPL comp, but you know, I can I can see the logic at least behind it. So for me, correct me if I'm wrong, I don't think any black cap has missed a test match for IPL Not currently. So this will be the first sort of time we're looking at it, and New Zealand cricket is, is sounds accommodating. For me, I hate it. Uh, I want them to be playing test cricket. I want them. I want the players to want to play test cricket. You mm. know, it shouldn't be a decision for me. However, look, this is, a, this, is, this is a new world. This is a different sort of era that we live in. Kyle Jamieson might be able to buy a house in Auckland if he plays every game <laughs> now. So, look, it's, it's a different world we live in. For me, I don't like it. Baldy, what do you think would happen in Australia if this decision was up there? There was all, all this talk about the, um, the 100 and missing, missing tours as mm. well. Australia put their foot down there, didn't they, and said that those guys wouldn't be able to play the 100. Yeah, I think the Australian contractual system says that if you're contracted to play for Australia, that's your that that's what you have to do first and foremost. And Australia will release you from your from your national contract to play IPL. And they're pretty accommodating in terms of letting the Australian players, particularly the big names, do that because the big names can command big salaries and they can choose to play IPL if they really wanted to instead of having a national contract. So the national bodies are on a little bit of a, a financial back foot. Uh, when it comes to the riches that you know domestic tournaments offer, it's the same with football. It's the same with with many walks of life. I don't think, I don't think that there would be many Australians who would choose to play IPL instead of playing a test for Australia. There might be there might be one or two, but we've never we've never that that theory has never been tested. Um, the thing that really disappoints me is that international cricket has been scheduled at the same time as the IPL. The IPL like it or not, is a big enough tournament 
and is a marquee tournament for the world of 2020 cricket. And it is perhaps the only one that should have an exclusive window in which it's played that no other international cricket is going on. So players aren't forced to make a club versus country distinction. Um, I don't want to see a situation like football where you have to have international windows where players are released from their club obligations to go and play international cricket. I would hate that. I don't think an Australian would choose to play IPL over playing test cricket. Um, a couple of them have said that they're not going to play IPL to remain fresh for test cricket. But I would hate for Australia to put their players in that position because I don't think it's fair on them. I think that's a great point that you make because I think if you asked all these players, they probably all choose test cricket. They all, they, certainly the way they talk, when they talk about you know what they prefer to do and you know someone like Trent Bolt who's talked about who just won the the you know the the IPL he's talked about you know test cricket being the pinnacle boarding the other thing that we do have to consider though is that a, a big contract in the IPL is a life changing experience we Absolutely. talked about Shane, Shane Bond mentioned that in terms of the, the the impact on this individual's life test cricket or cricket in general is a very very fleeting career and after that unless you play your cards really really well there's not a there's not a lot of jobs that you can just walk into in life after a test cricket, you almost have to begin again. So if a guy can make $2 million for playing eight weeks worth of cricket and set himself up financially for his family for the rest of their lives or be able to make you know, a, a, a house purchasing decision that he otherwise wouldn't be able to make, you kind of have to understand where they're coming from because I wouldn't turn that money down if I was offered $2 million for eight weeks of work, you know, at, at the expense of... You 100% would. If you had a chance to play Test Cricket for Australia or get a million dollars, you would play for Australia. I'd play Test Cricket for Australia, 100%. <laughs> I'd, play, I'd play Test Cricket for free. I really would. But I've never been good enough to play first-class cricket, so that it's a it's a moo point. But... You know, I wouldn't want to have to make those players to make that choice. And unfortunately, they're being asked to make it. I, I think the other thing is that the IPL is so fickle. You know, you only need to look and we're going to talk about the auction in a minute. You, you know, you get that life changing moment. And th there's been a few of them. The one that I really recall is a guy called Tamal Mills, who mm, yeah. was a left arm seamer, mm. had played maybe a couple of T20s. Yeah, played a couple of T20s mm. for England. Got an absolutely amazing contract. Had, a, a, I think, maybe one or two brilliant ser uh, series, IPL series, and then kind of disappeared um, off the scene. And because he wasn't in and around that international setup properly, he wasn't looked after by England. Um, this, that's not a criticism of England at all. And um, he wasn't in that system. The thing with the players is that they are looked after by their international board. And I think the international boards are Kane Williamson, a Carl Jamieson, a Ben Stokes, a Joe Root, whoever it is, they are going to get looked after and said, Do you know what? We know that going and getting a couple of million quid for um, eight weeks' work, that's going to help. It's going to help you to play T20 international cricket for us. We are happy to let you go and do that. So I, I think it's a really, really difficult scenario to navigate in that you've got that, the fickleness of the IPL, but then the longevity of your international career, because you can't switch international team as well. We won't, <laughs> we won't go into that, but um, it's less easy to switch international teams. Yep. And cricket have got the same difficult navigation to, to, to kind of manoeuvre through as, as rugby do, right? With overseas sabbaticals to go and play rugby in Japan. You've seen the All Blacks offer sabbaticals to McCaw, to Carter, to, to Kieran Reid in order to go and earn that amount of money overseas so that they can come back and play for play for their national side. Before, before we just wrap up, you know, we, we could go down the, the rabbit hole with the IPL and, and we'll come back to it with the auction. What are we thinking, third test? 
you know, not necessarily predictions, but but you know, what are we expecting? Have you boys to see? seen that picture of the wicket yet? I have. Oh, I haven't. What does it look like? It's green, boy. Yeah, there's a few there's, days out though. Yeah, it's a few days out there, but and there's still grass on it, and, it, and the grass is green. <laughs> it's pink, pink ball, pink ball test. You blink, you'll miss it. We could lend him some stuff to shave it if we uh, if we needed to. Three point oh lawnmower. Yeah, <laughs> but look, I think for me, um, I don't know enough about this SG um, pink cricket ball. Um, I think if it's uh, you know we're assuming it's a pink ball test like a Kookaburra or a Duke's pink ball test. I'm not sure that it is. I definitely think we see Jimmy Anderson come back um, into the equation for England. Um, and England really need a win here, don't they? That you know, um, in terms of uh, Raj's momentum call, this is their uh, best chance, isn't there it? There is, there is none. So um, you know that that's going to be really, really key. Um, look, I, I just really hope it's an even, you know, an even contest because this has been a really good series to watch so far. So ju- just some, uh, ju- oh sorry, just some stats on the only other pink ball test in India that was over just going into today three. Oof. Um, Bangladesh got bowled out for 106. India scored 347 with a Virat Kohli 100. Ooh, unusual. And then Bangladesh <laughs> were bowled out for 195. So that was an innings win to India by 46 runs. And pretty much all the wickets for the Indian seamers in that game yeah. as well. Which is, it is congruent with how they have been playing for the last few years. And though. we'll talk about how bad the pitch was after that as well, I'm sure. <laughs> well, exactly. Yeah. When it seems all over the place and it's 150 we'll have the same size. conversation. Well, we'll I, so. I, I absolutely <laughs> promise you. Binksy, who makes that England attack for that third test for you? Um, Look, it's a pretty simple, uh, a pretty simple answer for me. If they are all fit, um, I am going with Broad. I'm going with Anderson. I'm going with Jofra Archer, um, and I'm going with Ben Stokes as my, you know, as my seamers. And then from a spinning perspective, um, I'd be going with uh, Jack Leach. He's he's been. I think he's been far and away the, the, the best spinner. spinner. Bat- batsman. The yeah, English batsman. Batsman. So a slightly more difficult. Um, situation because I don't know around the pecking order that they've got with people returning to the tour actually so interestingly Johnny Bairstow and Mark Wood are back Mm. Sam Curran couldn't get a flight so he's actually not coming back now for this test match for me again if everybody's fit um, I'm actually probably going to leave Rory Burns out um, much to your uh, (laughs) disappointment Raj somehow I don't think he'll mind being left out for it but uh, Um, but as much but yeah look I'd be I'd be going for yeah I'd be going for Sibley I'd be going for Crawley I think someone's going to have to, you know, potentially move up and bat somewhere they don't want to bat. For me, that would be Johnny Bairstow at three. I'd leave Root at four. I'd have Stokes at five. I'd have Ollie Pope at six. And then I'd have um, my man Folks at seven. So, so Lawrence has not impressed you? Look, it's not that he's not impressed me. I, I just think that you've got a guy, Johnny Bairstow. I'm not really sure why he came in and played a couple of test matches in Sri Lanka and then went home for his rest at this point. Um, we've you know debated that ad infinitum, so let's not go into that again. Um, but he comes back. He's a proven player. Um, I've liked a little bit of what I've seen of Lawrence, but you know he's had a little bit of a run now. I, I think it's... Uh, um, look, I, I think I'd be bringing Johnny Bairstow back in. That would be my call. Yeah, the only the only thing I want to add is uh, just I, I I hope we see the down to the wire kind of tests that we you know we've we've seen England outplay India completely and then then India outplay England. It'd be great to have them both bring their A games for a test and then and then kind of lead us into a, a great fourth test. If it is a green seamer, Stuart, of those three spinners. Ashwin's obviously the first choice, but do they take a second spinner anyway and back themselves? You know, to, are they old adage if it's, it seems it's it spins? It's Jadeja fit. 
not that I'm not that I'm aware of. Um, but you know, I yeah, don't don't know. But I, I mean, I think, I, he, I think he's been ruled out. I'm not sure yeah, of that. But I, I don't I think, think he's he been ruled out. I don't think he is. Like I, I've 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 seen it a couple of times on this podcast. The the Pacers have been taking wickets in India mm. for years now. Mm. I think that they they didn't leave Boomer out. I don't know if he's injured or he's just being rested. I don't know what no, the case injured, was there. But if he's back, Sharma's back, and they play one of those those third Siraj. seamers, Siraj. or they either play you know Yadav or, or Shami as well, who who have proven themselves. Oh look, they've got a great seam attack. Yeah. They, you know, I don't, I don't think that would hurt them at all. They've, they've got an interesting decision to make, and I guess it'll be around how that, they think they, this pitch is going to play, right? Because they're going to have one of Ashwin or Axel or someone like that bat at seven, right? So they could take four seamers, in which case both of those guys, Raj, probably make it if fit, or or they could take three and two. Well, they might even take an extra batsman, actually. You- well, while the pitch looks green, I'd be very, very surprised if they play. They, they, they have a pitch that England can bowl good areas on. Yeah, I think yeah. it'll still be three and two makeup, won't it? I, I would expect. Mm. I think it'll be Axar and, and Ashwin again. Because Axar can bat at seven legitimately for that side. Awesome. Well, we have done England-India to death in that little segment. We're looking forward to this pink ball test match. SG, Dukes or Cookerborough, doesn't really matter. We're looking forward to the pink ball under lights. We will be back to talk more Indian cricket with the IPL auction having taken place this week. Back after the customary swish. No one wants the dreaded pair and you don't want to lose out to a DRS. That's the downstairs rainforest situation. So it's more important than ever to look after your pair. Now with manscaped.com, you'll never nick off, get caught in a slip or have a dreaded pair again. We were very lucky that the guys at Manscaped have sent us their latest lawnmower 3.0 to try out and even luckier that they sent us one each. No sharing situations here. So get on to something called their website and check out some of their other product names. Kudos to the marketing department. Top work, chaps. When you visit manscaped.com on your internet machine, you'll save 20% and get free shipping with the special code... Top order at checkout. You know how it works. Get onto your internet machine and dial up manscaped.com and use top order for 20% off with free shipping on all their great product lines. Lads, at the end of the day, a man's home is his castle, so look after the lawn around your castle with the Lawnmower 3.0 and a range of quality accessories. Keep it looking and feeling smooth as a Virat Kohli cover drive. Welcome back to the pod. We're going to kick off this segment of the IPL auction and we're going to hear from Kyle Jameson, who's had a life-changing move to Royal Challengers, Bangalore. I guess, uh, yeah, just be around the group. She went to sleep pretty early. I was asleep about just before 10, so I thought she thought that was actually pretty good for me and woke up around midnight and um, decided to check the phone and, uh, yeah, I guess just trying to um, embrace, um, I guess, the whole experience. You know, I don't know if this will ever happen again and I thought I'd... Rather than trying to avoid the situation, I'll, um, yeah, I'll sit back and enjoy it. And it was certainly um, a weird kind of hour and a half waiting for my name to be called up and certainly a different experience. Uh, I actually called my partner and I, uh, um, I woke her up. She was asleep. So, uh, yeah, that was a pretty cool moment just to kind of sit back. And um, I guess there wasn't a whole lot of words spoken, to be fair. And, uh, but then called mum and dad. They were up as well. So, um, yeah, did that and then just turned the phone off and tried to get some sleep. And, you know, I'm so fortunate. So we heard from Kyle Jamieson there. Apologies for the background noise. We were recording our first episode of the Top Order podcast, Carpool Karaoke, but he had his uh, <laughs> his window open, a few, uh, yeah, a bit of road noise in the background. Notable sales, though, in this IPL auction. Let's talk about Kyle first before we come on to the likes of Chris Morris, Glenn Maxwell, Jai Richardson, um, going to the Punjab Kings, who were 
formerly the King's Punjab. Anyway, um, <laughs> Carl Jameson, what do we think about that? That's some serious coin, isn't it? Oh, it's amazing, isn't it? I mean, you know, um, it, when this happened, I, I went back and listened to the, the conversation we had with Shane Bond, the first one we had with him where we talked about, you know, how he, uh, you know, what it was like, I guess, to go through that auction. Because even just watching the auction is such a weird kind of experience. I found as a as a viewer, it's the first time I've, you know, really sat down and watched it. But it, it's a life-changing moment. And, and Bondi talked about it as, you know, and the only way he could describe it is it's like winning lotto, you know, like they were in his family, they were deciding whether to have a third child or not, you know, and, and they, he got 750 K or something and suddenly they could afford it. And, you know, I mean, Raj made a joke about Kyle Jameson being able to buy a house in Auckland, but that's the reality, you know, that like this, this changes his life. This one five minute moment of, of a bidding war. It's, it, I think it's amazing. And, and I guess, you know, we, we can make light of the IPL and we can make, you know, that that really in various contexts and things, maybe it doesn't mean a lot in the context of how we're going to view these players and the, the end of their careers. But the, the power that it has to change people's lives and give, give these cricketers, you know, these moments, I, I think that's what makes it really special. And Seamers dominating the list, I think, fair to say, in terms of the... Prices, certainly. Yeah, it was an interesting auction in the way that, you know, all the batsmen went went first and then the all-rounders and, and then the bowlers. So a lot of these sides that had money to spend had good top-order Indian players and needed to find either a backup all-rounder or an all-rounder spot and an overseas fast bowler. And so we almost saw teams holding back from, from buying top-order batsmen and, and just waiting and almost getting into a bidding war with each other over the, the, the sort of scarcer resources of these all-rounders and fast, fast bowlers. You know, the guys who got big money bowl wheels. Milne, 150 kilometres an hour, got a big pay packet. Riley Meredith bowls 150 kilometres an hour, got a big pay packet. Even Chris Morris bowls pretty good wheels at his age, got a big pay packet. So Nathan Coulton-Nile, five crore, which I, I just, yeah, mind blown by that. Yeah, he's he's probably the one guy who doesn't in that group. Doesn't. No, he's not quick, but, but yeah, yeah, he he gets yeah. a big pay packet. Whereas guys who, other than probably Dawood Milan, there are a few um, English players that I expected that were in those top order kind of echelon to get sold and and were unsold at auction at this point. Yeah, I was having thinking about that. I guess when I looked back at um, my experience with the IPL fantasy, which was poor, <laughs> but I I guess those big batsmen. Are Indian, Indian, you know, national capped players mm. that they're not necessarily the people that are brought in from overseas. Those mm. are the, you know, the all rounders and, and the really quick bowlers or, or bowlers with a difference, like Jameson with his his bounce. That seems to be where the money has gone. Do, do you think that's ref, uh, reflective? Is it, they think that they have the batsmen there in India that they don't need to spend the big money on overseas players. Oh, I think a lot of this is around time, you know, timing and and the fact that it's a, a small auction, right? It wasn't for everyone. These, as you mentioned, these squads already have a lot of their. They really have the core of their side already built, and some of these sides have some cash to spend. You know that they these the RCB that had they'd released someone like Finch and, and a couple of other guys, and it meant that they had really the money to target these players. I mm. saw Mike Kesson talking about they knew they were going to have to pay overs for Kyle Jameson because the him, Morris, you know, someone like Moeen Ali, Jai Richardson, Shakib, Maxwell. Maxwell, all these guys, they're the top in terms of what these teams are looking for. Yep. 
they, so they just had to pay for them because every single player is going for ridiculous amounts of money. Yeah, absolutely. Classic supply and demand kind of situation. You exactly. know, Dan, Dan Christian uh, went for a reasonable price as, as well. well they're for, just buying him to win the tournament, aren't they? Isn't that how it I works with Dan how, Christian? I think how it works with Dan Christian. In Australia, I'm not sure necessarily overseas as much, but in Australia, <laughs> if you have Dan Christian in your big bash side, you win the tournament. But, Exhibit A there is uh, Alex Hales, right? He's number one ranked 2020 batsman in the world. You can't well, get it. Can't get a go. Well, obviously the scouts just couldn't get. Is it on Fox or Channel Seven? I don't know. They just obviously couldn't get the <laughs> get the coverage. Uh, look, that's mind blown for me. Not not just because he's scored runs in the IPL. He's scored runs all around the world in franchise cricket. Unless there's something, and we spoke to Shane Bond about this, didn't we? And, and Bond, you know, has gone on record as saying he's not really sure why Alex Hales isn't getting a look in. He's a good kid. Um, you know, he's paid the price of, you know, missed out on a World Cup. Um, apparently, I uh, listened to an interview with him. He texted Owen Morgan, the England captain, um, about a year ago and hasn't had a response as to, you know, what the, the next steps are for him. So, you know, the kid just, you know, regardless of what he's done and, and what, you know, what's happened, I find it unbelievable that someone, you know, like Sam Billings has got picked up for two craw in this auction and Alex Hales and Jason Roy, we're just talking about England right now because that was the question, but um, have gone unsold. I, I just find that mind blown, to be perfectly honest. And that, that's the thing. is It's such a crazy, fickle thing when you're watching it. it I mean, to actually watching the the event, the first, I don't know if you guys saw the, the opening to it. The, the first sort of five-minute opening was... I think the the biggest BCCI propaganda I've, I've I've ever seen in my life. It was kind of like thank you to the BCCI for bringing us the 2020 IPL that you know saved us all from complete boredom during COVID, and it was the most wonderful tournament. And we unearthed all these wonderful stars like Shubman Gill. It was actually hilarious to watch and and quite entertaining in the end. But you know then you sit there and these guys come on. It must be a horrible horrible experience to sit there. Uh, you know, Kyle Jameson talked about how weird it was just to kind of wait for your name to be called. And you wait for your name to be called. And even the guys that start going crazy, there's those few seconds, those 10, 15 seconds at the start where no one is bidding. Mm. And the, the auctioneer is going, can I get, can I get, you know, two crore? Can I get two crore? And it, nothing's happening. And they must just be like, you know, this is, this is my life changing moment or I'm going to just go back to sleep. It's, mm. yeah, it's such a weird, weird experience. I don't even know where you got where you started. I don't with know. That, where you, but. Yeah, I mean, there has been talk that Jason Roy and Alex Hales priced themselves out of the market. That's not quite true because the the way that the auction was structured and the needs of the teams didn't coincide with the need to pick up those players. There are a couple of franchises who went. I'm going to take the best player available, and you know, I'm going to try and make it fit within our team. And and we've seen teams do that in the past. Sunrisers Hyderabad have got a, a top order that's stacked with international players, and they went you know pretty far in the tournament. So well, Steve Smith, that Delhi's done that with Steve Smith, right? They've just picked him up at his base price, and you know now that I don't know where they're going to play him in there, but mm. you know they they've got the stacked lineup now. Exactly. So. And I don't know enough about the structure of the what happens after the initial auction in the IPL, whether Jason Roy and, and Hales and Finch and all these guys who didn't get purchased at auction can get picked up. But 
you know, I don't think that's the end of the road for those guys. They'll play in the PSL. They'll play in the Caribbean 20, 2020 Premier League. They'll probably find their way into an IPL side at some point, I would think, hopefully. Because I would hate to see an IPL go by with Roy and Hales not being not being in one of those sites because they're some of the premier batsmen in 2020 cricket, as far as I'm concerned. So are you, are you proposing an IPL waiver wire? <laughs> I'd love to see time. it. Oh, absolutely. I mean, as long as you're prepared to pay their ba- their base price. You know, if someone gets injured and I can pick up Jason Roy for for two crore and that's all it costs me, I'll be on the phone straight away. Oh, That'd that's what happened with Jason Holder, wasn't yeah, it? Exactly. Think they, you know, I think there will be cases like that, but I think it is more than likely that those guys won't. You know, we will see an IPL without those kind of players. That's there's a lot of great names in the real shame didn't get picked up. How do you think this has unfolded? Do you think that this is the teams know who they've got and how they want to play? Or, for example, I'm thinking of someone like Aaron Finch, who did struggle last year. Management ownership might even go on, look, I just don't want him in the team anymore. Well, how, how do you think that this has played out? I think it differs side by side, doesn't it, in terms of the way that they're structured? I mean, we've all watched that Mumbai Indians documentary and you've got that auction room. And look, I'm sure that that's evolved and there's a lot more stats going into it. But I think, you know, there still is that level of feel around the way that you're picking teams into these sort of franchises, particularly if this is going to be played in any kind of bubble. You know, you don't want that sort of potential bad apple within your group. So I I think that they are taking that into account. But I think it is going to be based um, a little bit um, on the individual franchises. But I, I dare say that some of the owners are just like, do you know what? I really want to see X, Y, Z. You know, uh, he's my hero, uh, whatever price um, you know, we, we need to get. And I think going back to that Mumbai um, documentary, at all costs, um, they wanted to get Pandya um, in that second year. You know, that they went back and bought him. Um, he, he wasn't playing for them that previous season and paid a, a hell of a lot of cash um, to get him, you know, home to Mumbai, so to speak. So I think, you know, you're going to see that emotion, I think, play out with some of those owners and um, higher-ups within those teams as well. Well, and the, and that's what, you know, goes back to that what Hesson's comments were around Jameson, right? They they wanted him. I, and I, I that's how I sort of reckon a lot of these teams have gone in. They've gone, we want these six players. And, I mean, um, Hesson also, he's talked about that, and it meant that what they had to do is then go and pick up a whole bunch of Indian, you know, Indian players at the very low base right mm. price to kind of fill out their squad, and you know, yeah, that's I think, and that's why you get these, you know, enormous auctions for some of these players, and then you just get all these other players that everyone's gone. Okay, we don't need what Alex Hales provides. We don't need what you know Jason Roy provides. But you, in saying that, yeah, you're right about Billings, and, and you know, you'd you'd on form, you'd pick those other. Guys ahead of him, well, wouldn't I'd you? pick not- Alex Hales and make him keep wicket ahead of Sam Billings, like <laughs> g- genuinely. Well, and I think, and you, your point about you know good blokes, you know, when we talked to Shane about uh, Adam Milne, you know, he said, actually, you know, I, I brought him over to the Thunder because he's, he's a good a, dude. He's a great good dude. He he works hard. He's got wheels. He bowled great in the BBL. I thought in terms of the way he sort of was able to bowl those tough overs and actually go at a really low rate. He, mm. It's not like, you know, sometimes when you're, you're a really aggressive fast bowler, you get hit for a lot of runs as well. But what he did in the BBL, he was able to get, have a good economy rate as well. And I really hope he gets an opportunity for Mumbai and, and kind of shows what he can do and, and and get himself back in the mix for that New Zealand squad. If, if we can have, you know, the squad that we've named, plus you throw in Lockie Ferguson, plus you throw in someone like Adam Milne, the guys in India 
we're going to have to go over there and guys that can bolt, that have that some unique sort of skill, something extra as a seamer, mm. they're going to be the things that can, you know, really contribute in the IP, in the T20 World Cup. A couple of Moneyball buys I just want to highlight um, for people who, who might not have been paying, you know, close attention to the auction. Jimmy Nish to the Mumbai Indians, back up all-rounder for Hardik and Krinal Pandya. Excellent buy at a low price for them. And also, I just wanted to highlight uh, Liam Livingston going to the Rajasthan Royals uh, for 7.5 million rupees. Um, a, a bargain basement pl- uh, price for the Royals. He probably won't be in their first choice, first 11, but he lit up the BBL for the Perth Scorchers. He was excellent for them, and I think that's a really good buy. If he gets a couple of games, he'll be he'll, he'll be really good at a low price for the Royals. Do you have a, uh, do you have a nominee for the best uh, name in the auction? Oh, Sachin Baby, it's got to be, doesn't it? Sachin Baby. I, w- I mean, that was going to be, I was going to mention that to you and then lead on to, you must be absolutely stoked that another Tendulkar is uh, is going to be in the IPL. Yeah, well, what's all this talk about nepotism? <laughs> I don't understand that. Look, they did come out, the Mumbai Indians, and I guess they said what they had to in terms of he's going to have to prove himself. I think that there is a little bit of nepotism. If you're going to choose somebody at the end there, you, you go with the, the pedigree and take Tendulkar, and I'm sure he's probably still part of the organisation. I'm, I'm not sure of that. But, uh, look, he's played he's played age group cricket. He is a decent player in his own right. Why not give him a go? Oh, sure. And, I mean, you know, yeah. I think it's, I think it's interesting that he's – Sachin was a right-hand little master legend with the bat, and uh, – Arjun is a left-arm seamer. How good's that? I think it's tremendous general management from the from the Mumbai Indians. At the end of the draft, at the second round of the NBA draft, what do you want? <laughs> you want a flyer that could you know could be picked 60th and somehow work his way into the team. Because one, it would be a great narrative. Two, it'll put bums on seats. Three, it'll sell jerseys. And if it works out, hey, look, aren't we great? We brought Arjun, uh, Arjun Tendulkar in and he's all of a sudden he's a superstar. Brilliant and, and you, piece and of general management. And you get Sachin down at training every exactly. single day. How good. Perfect piece of general management from the Mumbai Indians. Well done. I'm not even going to argue that bums on seats and selling jerseys is the same thing, Bordy, with your with your two points. But um, we can. Uh, they're two different points. Well, they're, I know they're two different points, but they're pretty similar, <laughs> aren't they? From a crowd and a merchandise perspective. Oh, do you split? Oh, I see what well, you're let, doing let's here. Not go to this. You think this there's a, a ticket? A... Ticket price is different to merchandise. Oh, that's a higher profit margin, Bordy, the <laughs> entrepreneur with um, his Manscaped t-shirt on. Yes. It, oh, mate. Anyway. So that wraps up this episode of the podcast. Hope you enjoyed our musings on the IPL auction, England in India. We will be back recording next week and we've got heaps and heaps of stuff coming up. There's loads of cricket going on um, across the world. If you do want to get in touch with us, not to correct any continuity errors from these two episodes I hasten to add, you can find us at the top order podcast at Gmail. Uh, com. Also check out our sponsors, manscaped.com as well. The Lawnmower 3.0 really does do the business around your undercrackers. So stay tuned. There's plenty more coming up in the podcast over the next few weeks. See you soon. Good night. God bless. <laughs>